Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and the most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your anonymous Bosch of business. And you may be fairly adept at presenting a report to, say, your project team, and you've mastered the old audience anxiety thing. You feel fairly competent. But what happens when you step into those big leagues? You're asked to speak before the C-suite, the board of directors, the Senate committee. Uh, suddenly, you're facing a crowd that's more sophisticated and impatient, maybe even a bit jaded, and they suffer nothing less than your absolute A-plus game. Well, if that's your situation, and you hope, or at least you hope it will be, you definitely are going to want the guidance of that top-level presentation coach and author, Miss Eileen Sinet, and all that she has for you today. Eileen is going to imbue you with the poise you need, the techniques that seize attention, and all those words that change minds in your favor. So, whether you are a Senate Grill CEO seeking to avoid indictment, or a professional speaker just trying to persuade the elite, pull up your chair and join us for this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined, to make your career thrive and your adventures flourish. Eileen, I always love having you on. We're so glad you could step away from your critiquing camera and uh, help us raise our presentation aspirations and techniques. Well, thank you for having me, Bart. Always a pleasure. Oh, good. Now, Eileen, we all know that, uh, that audience is everything in any presentation. So, supposing, uh, as I say, I'm, I'm some middle manager has been promoted, and I'm talking to the C-suite board. What do I need to think about when I'm presenting to this higher-level crew? What, what what are the attitude adjustments? The first attitude adjustment is to inhibit the tendency to think because somebody's got a more powerful position than you, then that person is better than you all across the board mm. because we're all human and we share that um, that species-specific uh, fact, <laughs> people can't just worry about impressing uh, someone who's got a more powerful job in the sense of being who they are. So it's important to be who you are and not to focus on I'm less than. That said, uh, very important to get to the point to lay out a plan, to be succinct, to limit slides, three slides max. And maybe they'll animate a little bit, but not a lot of glitz. I think senior leaders want yeah. to know what you have to offer and want to hear your plan. You're right. I think, now, I, I know that you're a great believer in uh, developing and employing your personal style. But at the same time, as you say, you're dealing with a different crowd. How do you go about I mean, suppose my style is uh, – flamboyant and glitzy by 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 nature how, how do i sort of blend that in with with melding with the audience great question bart so i believe we all have a range we're not only mm. one thing we're pretty complex and i'm just going to give you a very laughable oh, image of going to a <laughs> bowling alley in an in a tuxedo versus um right you know Right, so or go wearing cutoffs to a wedding, unless of course it's a pool party. So 
we have a range <laughs> of style and attitudes in our external physical choices, but we also have a range in terms of how we are authentic. We speak to our partners in a slightly different way than we speak to our children, than a different way that sure, we speak sure. to our uh, coworkers. So authenticity no, no. doesn't come in just one shade. That's my point. You can be authentic oh, very good. Well, in a range that's, that's, that's of true. situations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think you don't want to be a caricature of a speaker. You want to be Irving, this, Irving speaking, and that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, Eileen, uh, as a, you're CEO of Speaking That Connects, and, and you bring, uh, in, in your case, you bring a true scientific background to the art of speaking. You're not some drama queen who's urging speakers to emote. You, you've got degrees in communication disorder. You're a speech pathologist. Um, and so could you just tell us what Speaking That Connects delivers uniquely so for some individual who wants to speak more effectively. Yes, Bart. So I do have all those scientific uh, early background experiences, which um, really lay the foundation for how I look at people presenting. I spent a lot of time behind one-way mirrors observing, uh, only huh. to be told by my mentors, like, what else do you I see? I spent a lot of time and on the other side of those one-way mirrors in the <laughs> police departments. But that's, uh, right. So initially you see what you always see, and then as you are coached, you see a little more. So it's not just the obvious. I kind of see um, behind the obvious, and my daughter has called me a speech psychologist because it's oh. a combination of – what the behaviors are and what you think the intentions are or getting to know your client and understanding their motivation. So as a scientist, I'm looking at behavior, but uh, I'm also looking at motivation. And um, I'm, you know, when it comes to voice, when it comes to posture, when it comes to articulation, is there a physical reason for someone's slightly off pronunciation or grammar or slurring or funny voice. is That's the scientist in me. It's behavior, but is there an underlying right. reason to help that person um, in a different way? Oh, very good. Very good, because I, it, it shows that you basically you dig a little deeper, and of course you're not putting people in a mold. You're finding what's there in the person. And as you say, we all speak from our psyche. Count on it. Uh, now you've got uh, and in, w- one of the things in your marvelous book, Speaking the Connects, you, you've got a, 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 a whole training session on words to omit. And uh, I, I think hallelujah, because I, as an as a audience member, say the of unnecessary, misleading, or just bad vibe phrases, we all tend to lapse into. Right. So uh, you cut out for a second. So the question is, what are those small words that you might omit? Yes. Uh-huh, One of the key early uh, learnings I had was to omit the word try. Uh, very simple example. I'll try to pick that water bottle up from the table. Uh, when you 
Right. You're actually putting your hand around the bottle, but it's not moving. So trying is uh, <laughs> grammatically correct, but it, it involves more of an attempt rather than a result. So when you say, I'll try right. to have the report by Friday, it's not the same as saying, I'll have the report by Friday. One's much more assertive, and the other one is much yeah. more tenuous. So try, even though it's grammatically correct, if you omit it, you become immediately more proactive and assertive. That's, that's okay. very true. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I have used another. I a phrase when I – okay, I, before I give you another, I'm going to – You go ahead. Go ahead. To say a, there's a phrase I used to come up with when I, when I, was, uh, when I was a freelancer, and I would, would always – Someone would would uh, an editor would come with an assignment. Uh, my first my words were consider it done, and it's just mm-hmm. uh, oh of course not yes I'd be happy to or be willing to I'd say consider it done. So it's a, it it comes along it, it just follows that line of it goes to the finality the results orientation of the individual. Okay, go ahead. And it's a great branding line for you. You know that no, instead no. of saying of course I'll have it for you consider it done isn't top of everyone's tongue, tip of their tongue, It's, but it is on yours. So that becomes no, no. BART, you know, that that's, becomes a BART phrase and a brand. That's a great thing to remember that you have brand, you should de- develop these branding phrases. What a great idea. Huh. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it, it, me, they uh, often will one. come, okay. Yeah, the other one was just. If you eliminate the word just, it will also empower your communication. So I'm just working on this global project. I'm just an engineer. Mm-hmm. I'm just a an intern. If you eliminate the word just, you're an intern, you're working on this project, you're an engineer. Much more mm-hmm. valuable and positive yeah. That the word just is like a teeny bit of saying I'm not okay. Right. Or I'm I, not good I enough. Always, it always bothered me when women would say I'm just a housewife. This way back when. Uh, <laughs> Especially when they're doing I mean, a lot it, it, of work. <laughs> oh, now they are. Now they're saying my husband's just a jerk. But that's that's a whole other thing. <laughs> uh, well, if if you have at this moment joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time flows joyously across the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And as an internet avenue, you may also enjoy our shows on C-Suite Radio Station. We're proud members of C-Suite Radio, uh, where the keys to business growth uh, and effective results are laid right into your eager hands, my friends. So visit all our Art of the CEO episodes on csuiteradio.com. Now, Eileen, uh, how about this? Let's show the folks the right presentation stuff. How about I, right now, I give you, I'm going to present to you today's CEO of Yourself moment. It's a sample of Bart Jackson speaking words by a gentleman who is in love with his own voice. And I'll give you a chance to judge and improve upon them, all right? Okay. 
Here we go. All right, you poor lady. Anyway. This is the hardest one. Right, okay. As I always do, may I remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, Will this be the day that you step back and take sober scrutiny of all those brands assaulting your senses, seeking to seduce your dollars and allegiance? Or will you, with soothing thoughtlessness, allow yourself to be led down the path that someone else has carefully greased to alter and profit from your benefits? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. Okay, Eileen, uh, how to do? (laughs) Depends who your audience is, Bart. If you're on the air like you are (laughs) and you're renowned as a journalist and someone who loves your words, you say you're in love with your voice. I think you're in love with your words. I would say (laughs) that for those people who love words, you're going to, you know, score high. For someone who might be uh, a live audience and an executive audience, you could have said what you said in two short sentences. As a CEO of yourself, Mm -hmm. will you seize the opportunity to make those decisions and carry on, or will you let yourself be led by others and uh, not engage in your full power? But that's the strip down linguistic um, message. That's the core message and not the yeah, stylistic yeah. message. True. So for, for okay. an audience, a live audience, you're always going to have a little bit of both. And in an executive uh-huh. situation and a business situation, you'll probably have less people that um, would tolerate a half an hour of more sophisticated (laughs) linguistics but what you did was you know less than a minute it's the opening it sets the stage as an opening it works Mm -hmm. okay that's very pointed i think that too again it goes back to your your audience and the situation what do you need to is do we need meat or do we want to put the uh bordelaise sauce on with it and what's what's the ratio uh, now, Eileen, I know that uh, that one of the big presentation makers or breakers uh, is is the whole idea of, of organization. And I've seen a lot of speakers who have a fear of reiterating their prime point because you know they don't want to sound repetitive. Uh, but don't you need to repeat uh, your, your your main theme to sort of drive the point home? I am more aligned with you than ever here. I think preparation is important. It's not just reiterating key messages. It's planning and not winging it. Even though some people can wing it pretty decently, my point of view is that winging it is for the birds, and that's supposed to be funny. I have to laugh right now. So, uh, um, but, you know, I, I have a template that I help clients work with to plan their presentations more efficiently, and it really follows the old uh, early Greek orientation of tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And in that context, you are repeating what is important, and people do not retain information when they hear it only once, generally speaking. Mm. So repeating something, not 
right now saying not right now saying not right now saying you know it's not in that <laughs> one moment that you're repeating otherwise you sound like you're you know um stuck <laughs> the needle is stuck on yeah. the record it, it right, has to exactly. do with reinforcing for those of us and, who know what needles are Yes, that's right. <laughs> it has to do with reinforcing uh, your message, and reiteration supports your listener's recall. Okay, I always find that I like it when I, I like when I'm reading an article in a magazine, uh, or I'm hearing a speaker. I like somebody who comes back at the end and is able to come back to the beginning and sort of tie it up in a bow like that. I, I find that that's... Uh, I call that it bookending. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's that's, bookend. That's it's it's like the opening you know. and the closing have a relationship. And it's, um, it's, it, it's, it's a continuation of that story or it's the you know, opening to the story and it's the closing to the story, but it's the same story. Yeah, you know, you know, it, it gives the speak the speaker a, a powerful sense of purpose. I guess I mean it says, "Oh, this guy had something he wanted to say. I got it. Boom." Uh, I mean, yes, uh, and it, it can be yeah, it, it can really differentiate the average from the excellent to know how to prepare well, to understand reiteration, to start with a story or a. Um, strong opening and to end bringing that opening to a close to reinforce your key message. That's powerful stuff, and it's not that hard to learn. Mm. It does require a little bit of time. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, uh, speaking of that, many of your uh, of the tips that you just gave us right now and, and, uh, are, and the attitudes that we need to develop are in your book, Speaking That Connects. And so could tell us, how do we get, uh, how might uh, each of us pick up a copy of that? Okay, uh, well. Um, Coaching Guide. Yes, the, the easiest, quickest way uh, is Amazon. And it's uh, Speaking That Connects. It was published in 2011. All the information is still quite current. And it's a strong, efficient how-to book for preparing and delivering a presentation that has some punch. Okay, you don't go back and have people talk, walk along the shore and talk with pebbles in their mouth, do you? I do. Is that was Demosthenes, wasn't it? Um, I think yes, that was right. stuttering. Right. Um, no, I do not have people <laughs> put pebbles in their mouth, nor gum in their mouth, or cigarettes or anything in their mouth yeah, well. when they're going to speak. In fact, <laughs> if you're chewing gum when you get up to the podium, that's a that's definitely a no-no, even if it helps you settle your nerves, because gum takes up space in your mouth, and it also, the sugar weakens the um, muscle. So it's not a good oh. idea to chew gum. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well, I always not just oral muscles, but podium. muscles throughout your body when you bring in sugar to your body. It really has a, a no temporary negative in terms of your, your muscular oh. coordination. 
oh my goodness, my goodness, I was wondering why I was so uncoordinated. Well, I I'd always try to take my gum and stick it underneath the podium when I get up there. But maybe maybe because as long as the next speaker doesn't step on it, you're okay. Well, Eileen's going to continue to enlighten us by, with, by fine-tuning our presentation techniques uh, right after you and I take this brief sorbet from today's Feast of Wisdom as we offer you a few oh, utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, our CEO of yourself moment, you've already heard. So moving on to the second, I can sense that you are yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101, or is the 101 Best Business Quips books. So I am thumbing around here with with, uh, immense fumblement. Uh, Here we go. This is number 43, uh, and it's uh, two gentlemen inside a – this quip is two – Two gentlemen inside an auditorium. Excuse me, sir, but has the CEO finished speaking yet? Oh, good Lord, he was finished half an hour ago. He just won't stop. So so (laughs) what do you think, Eileen? What what do I do when I've overstayed my welcome at the podium? I mean, I see folks starting to doze off. and What what do I do? Well, I would hope, if you were my client, that you would have seen that long before um, the end (laughs) part of your presentation and done something midway. It's um, pretty unfair to an audience to make them listen beyond listening. Well, we have short attention spans. (laughs) The latest uh, literature says that our listening attention might be as low as 8 to 10 seconds, and that's less than uh, what a goldfish uh, has attention for in terms of finding food. (laughs) But I'm not so sure about that study. But the truth is with technology, our listening attentions are small. It takes not much time for you to um, go away mentally or get distracted Mm -hmm. or bored. And I would think that a speaker, no matter what their level, whether it's a keynote, whether it's in the boardroom, whether it's a manager, would be looking at the audience enough and not just so married to their message that they would see the eyelids closing or the (laughs) computers coming out or the telephones being activated, and they would stop (laughs) at that point and pause, if nothing else, to uh, notice and change up the reality of that room. Because if you're nonstop right, talking right. and you're boring the crowd, just stopping talking yeah. like that, that's that dead air, um, would, would be a valuable tool. That's good. Well, I don't. As my own afterthought was that I, I agree with you. Is that it, uh, instead of blaming modern intention spans, you got to deal with them and tailor your message to the folks as they need uh, as they need it, because you're there to uh, move them in a desired direction. At any rate, right, if you smirk right. a bit over that quip, we yeah, we got them literally by the books full. You should you should all uh, rush to. Uh, bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of a 102 or the 101 best business quips book and 
guarantee uh, after Read Age you'll begin lacing your brilliant ideas with leavening wit and laughter, all guaranteed to make you quotable and your ideas beloved or <laughs> or something appropriate like that. <laughs> uh, and, and as a third utensil, we sumptuously spooned to you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is the name of the individual who said, anyone can be a millionaire, but to be a billionaire, you need an astrologer. <laughs> Uh, those words were spoken by none other than America's first or second, I'm not quite sure, billionaire, Mr. John Pierpont Morgan, J.P. Morgan, and you should see his library in New York. Anyway, congratulations to all you winners. Stick with us because after the show, blurting uh, later on the show, I mean, I'm sorry, blurting your way, comes another enriching quotation. And if you're among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And if you're correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind and career-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And presentation coach Eileen Sinet will reveal the benefits of silence and uh, dynamic intonation and much more. Right after, uh, I make this introduction to you of the company by whose good graces we're here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing. And this week, the folks at Prometheus, instead of telling you about one of their enlightening volumes, they proudly announce this Prometheus Social Enterprise Awards. So save September 19th. Prometheus, by the way, as you all know, was the ancient Greek titan who defied the gods and brought humankind the gift of fire. And the Prometheus Awards recognize those exceptional individuals, those firebringers, uh, who have brought a, who have brought to light inventive enterprises that are enriching and transforming our world. They are an amazing group of people. So on Thursday afternoon, September 19th, at the Rothman Institute of Entrepreneurism and Innovation at Fairleigh Dickinson University's Madison, New Jersey campus, you are going to have a chance to meet and greet the celebrity fitness trainer who is rescuing and training victims of human trafficking, the the major international market player who is wrenching the investment world towards social responsibility, the man who's remaking Trent, New Jersey, and other individual select honorees who are displaying an exceptional compassion, vision, and enterprise to improve ourselves and planet. So join us at the Rothman Institute. We invite you to the for these Torchbearer Talks. They're free, and it'll be your chance to meet some of the world's most amazing individuals. Uh, and if you would like to attend the dinner or like more information about that, just drop us a line at info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. Carpe diem, my friend. You are indeed worth it. And now, with utensils in hand, let's return to our Feast of Wisdom as presentation coach extraordinary Eileen Sinet leads us into more picturesque presentations. Uh, Eileen, you talked about this just previously, and so let, let's pick it up. The effect of silence. Uh, I know a lot of speakers are frightened of silence, but lay it out for us. Uh, how, okay. you know, how and when silence add power? So there's no formulaic um, response to when, uh, but using pause and silence periodically in your presentation does empower the words. When you stop before a main idea, so say the main idea is buy it Thursday. So I want you to buy it on right. buy it okay. Thursday. I want you to 
by it Thursday. That that little pause stops people's listening oh. process or it influences the listening process. It highlights what comes next. I think uh, one way, maybe though I say it's not formulaic, one tool that I do recommend for learning how to input some pause, some silence into your presentation so it's not nonstop and it's digesting, like force-feeding people food and never letting them digest it, <laughs> is, is to, if you're using slides, to use the slide change as a moment for pause. Let the audience look at that slide without you talking right away. That way you're not competing. You're being silent. They're being silent in the reading mode. And as they finish looking at that slide, they're much more attentive to you as the speaker. So with slides, there's an opportunity to use silence. And then there's this periodic pausing, which is a kind of silence that has to do with the importance of what comes next. And even after saying something important, silence will let it land in a way that will be consumed or digested more fully. So those are two ideas, the slides before a key message, after a key message. Mm-hmm. Okay. I always remember that Shakespeare, after he would have one of his magnificent, densely packed soliloquies, would follow with a change of a change of character who would come on, and it would be something like, "Yea, good, my lord," you know, "Oh yes, my lord, yea, verily." Mm-hmm. And uh, in other words, it was he would change, but there was a silence of, of having the person come in on the the new person come in on the stage because you can't, as you say, digestion. At the same time. I've always believed that death by PowerPoint should be a capital offense. Uh, so uh, I, I, I think that the people who give a talk and put their and basically recite their slides in back of them are uh, worthy of any of any heckling that they receive. Let me put it that way. Uh, right. So, so they so, should. Death by PowerPoint for the audience right. and incarceration and for the uh, speaker. <laughs> right. If not beheaded. I, so or, I think not beheaded. Yes. Right. Uh, just detone, or tongue excised. Anyway. Right. So tongue excised. Yeah. What, when do I use? I mean, as I'm going again, we're going up the chain of command here. We're trying. I would think the higher up the the level of speaking of people you're speaking to, the less slides. Is that? Well, that can be true, but there are lots of organizations at the executive level that are very slide-oriented, and one of their excuses, to me it's an excuse, is that it's a send-ahead for those people that are not going to be attending the presentation, and they're Uh, people of importance. So instead of making two slide decks, one that is very brief, that anchors a key message, and is um, graphic without text or less text involved. They send a very overloaded, you know, almost um, picturesque abstract report uh, in terms of what their Uh PowerPoint is. So there are organizations that really need to change, but it's not going to happen very quickly because it's a protocol, it's a cultural thing. That said... I feel people are 
over-dependent on slides. They see them and view them as the story and the prompts for their messaging. And what no. I work on with my clients has to do with know your story and then illustrate. So PowerPoint right. can be a powerful anchor to what you've already said. It doesn't always have to lead the audience. And the combination of starting a presentation um, using a PowerPoint slide to lead is fine, and also knowing that you can do it differently. You can talk, 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 and then click and show. You don't have to click show right. and then talk. And the combination is better than one or the other, and in small mm -hmm. doses. So consider right. it like jalapeno peppers. You know, you just don't shove them in your mouth. <laughs> right. You kind of take a slice and you oh. be careful. Yeah, and I think you're right. Oh. Um, at the top, the, the slides are uh, generally less important. I think if you can't pitch what you want to persuade on or present without a slide, I say you don't know your material that well. So I okay. always want my clients to be able to do a five-minute abstract with no slides. Tell me the story. Right. Tell me the situation. Tell me your idea. Tell me how it's going to work and what are the benefits. And then if you want to do a long version on it, you create the slides, which are not for you, but for those mm -hmm. visual learners in the audience yes. that need to right. see to hear and process. So some right. people are more able to listen and learn, and some people need something visual to fortify that learning. So it's not always for right. the speaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think it is true. It's, it's again, it's considering the audience. Uh, we're, we're coming, we're coming close to the, to the end time here. So I, it, I have one, there's one speaking bugaboo that we all have, the number of ums. Is there anything other than just practice, practice, practice that can eliminate the ums from your speech? One or two quick things that, that I could try? Yes. So it's not about practice, really. It's about listening. And here's the scientist in me. If you do a two-minute speech, ah. even a telephone conversation, right. and you tape record it, and then you count the number of words, transcribe it, count the number of words you've had, and then count the number of ums you've had, you're going to start oh with a baseline of ums per two-minute of talking. <laughs> then oh, you can redo and manage that uh, again and, and create some metrics. Pausing yeah. is what has to happen instead of ums. And I am not someone who counts ums, and I think most people have them. And unless they're on stage, it's usually not an issue. However, People who um right. every sentence become known as the presenter that ums. So yeah, what, it really dilutes, I'm sure. 
you can swallow every time you um, but until you're physically aware and auditorily aware of the incidents and the timing of what when you're doing it, you're probably not going to do very much about it, except criticize yourself for saying yeah. um too much. <laughs> That's, so there are techniques. Oh. They are techniques, but I think they need some coaching to uh, result in the outcome desired. It's hard to do on your own. Speak of that. Speak of that. I've always insisted that if you're going to move into any position of power in the world of business or, or anywhere, you you really can make no better investment than uh, at least one session with a presentation coach. So. Uh, Eileen, how, tell us how all of us power-seeking presenters, uh, how can we get a hold of you and perhaps sign up for, for one of your courses and your coaching sessions? Great. A course or an individual session, I think, as you mentioned, even one session, you're going to learn something about the way you communicate that could make a difference in you know, the course of your career. So you can reach me by going to my website, speakingthatconnects.com, that's www.speakingthatconnects.com, or you can give me a call at 609-799-1400. And I'll be happy to speak with you. Okay. Well, I tell you, I just uh, listening to myself, and and even your critique you gave me today makes me feel I should sign up uh, toward more picturesque speech and or perhaps in my case less picturesque speech something <laughs> more to the point at any rate thank you so much for coming on and i trust that you'll uh, we can seduce you back on a little later later on when you're uh not running off to making your many speaking trips so uh thank I'd you very happy much to come on. back I've... on your show bart always oh great thanks so much Eileen. it's been great you're welcome, and have a great day. So as we round out today's feast, I'm sorry. Uh, as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. That is, who was it who said, he isn't a real boss until he has trained subordinates to shoulder most of his responsibilities? <laughs> and hint, this uh, a hint. This sage and noted Cleveland-based publisher was well-known for penning the book The Business of Life. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply write that author's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win a life and career igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune in to The Art of the CEO next week when high-tech guru William Ammerman lays bare the invisible brand and reveals how massive digital algorithms are being used in marketing to sway our decisions and our beliefs, and prepare to be frightened a bit. And uh, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husbands, too many of today's media directors see themselves as guardians of the party line and are terrified that the media will replace that party line with the truth. These gatekeepers are indeed justified, since the press does have a historically pesky habit of truth-telling. And to you, who feast, I hope that you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as much as Eileen and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this on all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally to you, 
who have honored us with your time. May I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. <laughs>